0: That's U-N-I-F-Y-D-Healing.com slash BlueWire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system. wire. Is he starting to win money? Back out to Aaron! History final! Tie game with five seconds remaining! Is there anything you don't gamble? On? Uh. Not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Oh, jeez! Gamblers aren't your problem. You're just an idiot.
1: And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. It's another college basketball edition of Full Slate. You better get used to these over the next couple of months. We still have the NFL playoffs to hopefully win some money on, but college hoops soon to take center stage come February, and so why not enjoy it with us for all of 2021 and jump in in January as well. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all my picks at Undercover Greg, and when it's college hoops, We gotta bring on Lucha Larry. I know him as Bill Christie. As I said, you know him as Lucha Larry at Larry's Locks 2 for all of his picks. Bill, how are we doing?
2: Doing phenomenal.
1: Having a great, great, great Tuesday afternoon slash evening
2: uh, with a good college basketball slate. I know I texted you. I I kind of wish we did a a pod uh, last night for today's slate because I didn't really realize it until this afternoon how solid of a slate we had, but uh, I was lucky enough to get my guys to six and two today. We we added a Nets uh Brooklyn Nets plus four and a half play. I don't play too too many NBA games, but that one stood out to me and we fired on that one. Uh so a, little having bit of a, a, phenomenal a market play.
1: overreaction without Durant there.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly right. And you know, look Kyrie's the type of guy that, you know, he can take over a game by himself, you know, and with Durant being out. That was obviously gonna be the case and He put up some big numbers. I saw a lot of people that played him, uh, his player prop of points, rebounds, plus assists. And I know he went over on that. So congratulations to those people that were able to jump on that. I didn't think of it at the time, but it was a decent play. So, yeah, I'm just excited. Had a great day today. Looking forward to a decent slate tomorrow and uh, continue
1: giving out some winners, right? Because we've been been on fire on the pod recently. Gosh, yeah, we have been rolling. And it does... You know, a fair warning there, I suppose, if you're just listening now, uh, you know, I suppose one of those uh, tough pods is coming, but oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe not. I mean, let's try and keep it rolling as much as we can, and we actually do have five picks apiece here for the Wednesday rotation. Um, Bill, actually, real quick, while, before we get into the picks, you mentioned the good slate of games we had today, North Carolina on national TV survived down in Coral Gables against Florida, excuse me, against Miami. It looks like right now um, TCU and Kansas are playing, uh, which Kansas is rolling uh, down there in the in, in TCU. Is there anything that you that stood out to you just across the country, pl- gambling aside, just things that jumped out from the games today? Today specifically, let me take a look real quick. I haven't really prepared for that. Well, one thing that still stood out to me, maybe
2: because I'm a Rutgers fan, Um you know, they they played probably the worst game that they've played all season today. And I'm not trying to slight Michigan State because I think they may have found something. Typical sure. Michigan State, right? Typical Izzo. You yeah. know, they, they have a couple of left-down games. People start to write them off, and then they come in against a very, very solid Rutgers team, and they absolutely obliterate them by 23 today. So, like, that definitely stood out to me today. Um, Clemson, you know, they snuck out the win. Both of us lucky enough to be on NC State. Well, very, very lucky they missed a yeah. few throws at the end of the game so there. I was but- tell
1: you, anytime you're on how many times have we been down that road oh. where you take the dog and, and they got the lead most of the second half and then the game gets to overtime and they end up not covering a the game they should have won outright. Yeah, it's
2: it's beyond frustrating. That's actually yeah. happened to me. Uh I know I posted a a tweet recently about it. I've had like the worst run the last couple of games with teams with second halves. Like I was on Oklahoma State, up nineteen, they blow that game. Uh, then this afternoon, early this afternoon, I I had Kent State, Kent State was leading the whole game, they end up losing, uh, and then, you know, I was like, all right, once I saw NC State leading, I'm like, oh, please don't tell me I'm going to see this again, And, and thank God I didn't have to deal with that. I actually had a little reversal of fortune, uh, with Mississippi State, I was on them today, so they had a much better second half against Mizzou, uh, and they were able to give me the win there, uh. But, yeah, those types of things stood out to me. And, and look, Texas,
1: I, I believe you were on Iowa State too, right, correct? I was, yeah, and that was just kind of a feeling Texas maybe a little fat and happy yeah. off that big Kansas win. Yeah, look, like it's And Iowa
2: State's on a great team, but, I, I mean, I'm still being impressed by Texas. Again, I think we've mentioned in every pod that I was high on them coming into this season when we talked about the conference previews. I never would have felt they were a top-four team in the country, but – I mean, they've been playing incredible, incredible basketball. And then the one other thing would be the game that UConn had uh, today, being down by eight at half, uh, coming out and absolutely demolishing Marquette in the second half.
1: Woo-hoo. Wow, I uh, didn't even see that final. I just saw Marquette oh. over him in the first half and thought it was over. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. And, and to me, like, that that says a lot about this UConn
2: team um, who have mm-hmm. not really played too, too many games. I believe they were – uh, halted a little bit, like I think almost every team in the country is going to be at some point. Um, but that goes back to Danny Hurley, right? Like t- Teams have one of two choices when you're down like eight, almost ten points at halftime on the road. Like You're either going to completely fold, or you're going to actually make a run at it. And Danny Hurley is such a motivator that the team, if they don't get up for it like they did today, you're going to learn a lot about that team's character. They're, they're right. going to be a team that's going to fold, and they're going to be like, you know, intimidated by their own coach and be like, you know, I, I can't really get up for this. And, you know, they proved everybody wrong in the second half. It felt they were going to go run away and hide um, to get that win spoke volumes about that team's character. So I'm excited to watch them going forward.
1: Let's get into it then. Uh, you mentioned the uh, afternoon starts, or we were talking a little bit before mm-hmm. we hopped on about some of the funky game times that we've had, uh, at least in the winter break portion of the college schedule and uh, we have you have a play, actually, on one of those games, a 4 o'clock Eastern tip. We have the Tulsa Golden Hurricane traveling east in the American Athletic Conference to take on the South Florida Bulls. Uh, Pick'em, looks like, across the map, total of 127.5. Uh, you're going to be on the Tulsa side here. Tell us why. Yeah, not too, too much information here on this one. Um,
2: just something that grabbed my eye when I first looked at the lines this afternoon. Uh, but Tulsa is 2-0 and on the road. Uh, South South Florida is 2-2 and uh, at home. South Florida being 1-2 their last three games. Tulsa has been 5-0 and their last five. With some quality wins, they beat Memphis. They beat a very, very good Houston team. And then they beat a, you know, probably subpar Cincinnati team. However, that Cincinnati game, to me, is a big piece of this handicap. Because after that win of Houston, you know, you tend to see teams like that come into the next game. Puffing their chest a little bit, and get knocked around. And Cincinnati would have been in a good spot for that. But, you know, Tulsa was able to get up for that. They're simply just playing better basketball right now, and that's the main reason why I like this play. Um, I feel like if it was at Tulsa, they'd be a much heavier favorite in this. You know, they actually came out as a slight dog, I think, when the line opened up. It's ticked to a pick. I'm not going to be shocked if I see this get all the way up to Tulsa, You know, maybe one and a half, two by a tip tomorrow. So I'm going to be jumping on tonight when it's still a pick.
1: Yeah, I think this is a good play. I mentioned you, I lean this way Mm -hmm. in this game. I think it's worth noting, as you mentioned, Tulsa coming in playing well. And all of these games that Tulsa has won, they've been dogs in. You mentioned that Cincinnati game, and they were, you know, you could argue, yes, subpar Cincinnati Mm -hmm. team. But uh, Tulsa was a six-point dog. On the road in that game, and right. and went to Cincinnati and won it outright, as you said, off of that upset win over Houston, where they closed as a nine and a half point dog. Going back before that Houston game in the league, they lost to or they won at Memphis uh, mm-hmm. as a nine and a half point underdog. As you you're, so you're talking about this recent success, it's one thing to do it; it's another to continually do it as dogs and. It's not like all of a sudden now they're thrusted into this big favorite role because sometimes that's going right. be a little apprehensive. Like You're just asking them to win the game against a South Florida team that, I mean, gosh, how much better are they than Cincinnati, who they just beat, if right. at all, you know? So I think it's a yeah. good play. Uh, let's keep things moving. I'm going to take us to the ACC for my first play where uh, I'm going to look at the Virginia Tech-Louisville game. Uh, this is a 6.30 Eastern tip in uh, Kentucky Virginia Tech, a four point road underdog, total of 131. I'm going to go with the home chalk here and back Louisville. This surprised me, Bill, and maybe it shouldn't have because of the times we're living in with COVID, but mm-hmm. this is the first true road game of the season for Virginia Tech. Um, wow. You know, they just schedule was front loaded with a lot of home games. They did pick up that very impressive win around Thanksgiving, opening the season uh, on a neutral court against Villanova. Um, but, uh, I, you know, Vatek, second year for Mike Young there, and I kind of thought that, you know, they had, if you remember, in his first year, they had a big early season non-conference win against Michigan State, mm-hmm. and, and they ended up finishing 16-16, and 16, which I think there some, there's some things to build off for them. They come into this season picked 11th in the ACC preseason poll, and, you know, I, I, I think when I saw them beat Villanova, I thought, okay, they're building some, something here. There's something clicking for them. But at the same time, I do think that that Villanova win is why maybe we're seeing – I know that the Nova win was a while ago, but mm-hmm. they haven't really played anybody else major in the non-conference, Vatek. And I just wonder where this line would be if they lost the Nova game because I mentioned the lack of good opponents non-conference. 230 is still a non-conference strike the schedule, and that's with the Villanova win. And then we look at Louisville – like. I like to look at these preseason polls. I like to go back to them when we're starting conference play because, you know, the conferences, the conference coaches are all voting on these, and it's kind of a reset, right? Like, regardless, everybody kind of plays different non-conference schedules. Then you start up, start up again in the league play. Louisville was picked fifth in the league, you know, and, and uh, they had the blowout loss against Wisconsin, but uh, since then they've responded well with three straight wins, two conference wins by double digits, They won an in-state rivalry game with Kentucky, and we know Kentucky's not great, but, uh, you know, still an in-state rivalry game. I just think that something we talked about with our consensus play on Virginia a few weeks ago, like good Mm -hmm. teams, good programs respond off of bad losses, and I'm buying Chris Mack and Louisville being one of those programs that I want to get on. I'm not surprised that they've responded well after that drubbing that Wisconsin put on them. And, oh, by the way, one last thing on this game – we talk about the free-throw shooting a lot with short lines, particularly if we're going to back underdogs. We want to make sure they're getting their freebies. vatech 180th in the nation in free-throw percentage. So I think couple that with the first true road test for Vatek, uh and, and, again, I think the Nova win just kind of inflates this number a little and, and makes it worth a look on Louisville. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not,
2: I'm not going to have a play on this game. However, if I was going to play it, I think I would actually go – the other side. I think I would take the points here. Um, I do believe Louisville to win the game is the right play. Um, I just think that <clears throat> that short number could come into play. And you mentioned Wisconsin game where they got absolutely uh, manhandled. That's that was really the only good team they faced recently, right? Because
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the league for uh, Louisville. I know Pitt is one, and I'm pretty sure Boston College was the other. And, and, and Kentucky, and I that, mean, right. for Kentucky's not Kentucky this yeah, year, and,
2: and they snuck by them. They only beat them by three, so I, again, I'm not going to get to a point, I think, where I'd play this game, um, and the one thing I did notice, that the line has already moved a point. Uh, it's dropped down from Louisville, I think, open at five. I'm seeing them at four now, um, and granted, not many tickets on them, but most of the tickets seem to be coming in on Louisville, so I mean, I would just... Keep an eye on that. I'm not sure if you've already booked it or not, but if you have not I got a feeling you're going to be able to get a better number uh, as we get closer to the game tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and I am seeing a juice for on uh, the lay a dollar sixteen on Votek right now, so mm-hmm. could be something that I wake up in the morning and look to hopefully maybe get three and a half. Um, yeah. But I am ultimately going to be on the side of the home chalk with the Cardinals in that one. Let's go to the Atlantic Ten where we each are going to give out a play on a couple of different games. Um, you're going to go to a uh, road favorite here with UMass, uh, heading to the nation's capital to take on George Washington. UMass, a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite, it looks like. High total in this game, 152. Ooh, What do you see in glad you mentioned
2: that. I'm glad you mentioned the high total. That is a big, big part of this handicap for me. Sure. UMass this is a get right spot for them. They have back to back losses to a bad Bryan team, a not very good George Mason team, GW coming off a decent win over uh Duquesne. I know it's not a great name for you to hear right now, unfortunately. Um, but UMass being a top top hunter team offensive efficiency, GW is near the bottom defensively. And like you mentioned, the, the total is north of one fifty. If the total's gonna get close to one fifty You know, you have to figure the better offensive team is going to be the team that's doing most of the scoring here. So I believe it's going to be a shootout. I got to believe that GW is going to be shooting with a BB gun. I like my chances (laughs) here with UMass to cover the number at five. And I think that opened like around three and a half. It's already going up to five. So I want to get that out uh, ASAP because I'm
1: assuming it's only going to get bigger. It does look like there's been some UMass money here. It also appears as if there's been some under money. It looks like this was more like 154 and a half, 155. So wow. uh, read into that as you may. But as you said, still a high total. Um, I'm not going to have a play here. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm going to have a play in another Atlantic 10 game. Um, I, I'm not going to profess to know a ton about two sub, sub 500 A10 teams. Um, but I do think you're, you're uh, kind of – correlation to a degree in terms of the side and total can make some sense it doesn't necessarily always mean you know favorite right. under favorite over dog under that type of thing but sometimes totals like this with teams like UMass that you mentioned can score it can kind of tip you off a little bit on kind of what the sharper side might be in the game so uh no play for me here but um you know i i think you're onto something there as far as the total and how it correlates with the point spread. I want to go to the uh, Atlantic 10 game that I have some thoughts on. Uh, and it's the Rhode Island Rams traveling to Richmond to take on the Richmond Spiders. We're seeing Rhode Island being installed as what looks like five point road dogs, total of 145. Uh, and I'll like, I'll be honest. I was impressed early in the season with Richmond. I uh, watched a good chunk. You know, we've talked about those early games where we had, you know, Weekday games where there wasn't much on. I watched them. It was only Vanderbilt, so not that Vandy's a great team. But I watched a good deal of their game against Vandy, and uh, they were pretty impressive in that one. They picked up a non-conference win against Kentucky, but uh, I think since that point, and also as we mentioned, we don't really know what kind of uh, Kentucky team this is. It doesn't look like a good one. I mean, they struggled <laughs> I against that, Vanderbilt. I think that's the thing. I think we do know what kind of team this Kentucky team is. I suppose I feel like by nobody by now, wants to accept it. I'm just fortunate enough that I cashed my big ticket on yes. Saturday. Um, but, you know, having said that, I, and so for that reason, you look at their recent form, and I'm going to be on Rhode Island here plus the points, um, because I mentioned Richmond with the Vanderbilt win and the and the Kentucky win, and, you know, Vanderbilt, obviously not a very good team, and Kentucky, that kind of big win, but it looks less impressive as time passes for the Spiders. Since then, though, they only beat Loyola Chicago by two, And we know, you know, that Loyola, Chicago, obviously, since that run, they've kind of been a scrappy mid-major. They lose outright, does Richmond, as 12-point chalk against Hofstra. They beat Davidson by six, uh, and they lose outright as four-point chalk against St. Bonaventure. So, you know, winning close games and losing games in the favorite role, not a team I want to run to lay points with right now is Richmond. Then let's look at Rhode Island. I got a buddy of mine uh, that is a diehard Rhode Island fan. He went to Rhode Island, uh, and he was texting us the other is day. His name saying, Tyson Wheeler? Excuse me? <laughs> I said, is his name Tyson Wheeler? It is not, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's texting us the other day because a couple of my other friends are St. Joe's guys, and Rhode Island's playing St. Joe's, and St. Joe's has him. And it looks like this is yeah. a vintage look-ahead spot for Rhode Island. And Rhode Island comes back from the dead and ends up winning the game in overtime against St. Joe's. And, Bill, how often do we talk about, even though Rhode Island didn't cover the game, they were 12-point chalk and, and won the game by single digits in overtime, even though they didn't cover, how many, points do we talk, how many times do we talk about teams in look-ahead spots yeah. when they're still able to find a way to win the game? I, yeah. I just think that's so valuable because I think for the morale and the confidence in that locker room, okay, you got the win Without having your A game, now is the game you were looking ahead to in a Richmond team that was garnering a lot of preseason buzz in the Atlantic Ten. Uh, you know, and and Rhode Island, we talk about non conference games. Mentioned with Richmond, Rhode Island's got the best non conference win here. They beat Seton Hall as a short dog yeah. at home. So, uh, and they won the game by thirteen points. So, uh, I'm going to look to Rhode Island here. I just think that I I just disagree with Richmond being this big of a favorite against the Rhode Island team that's definitely going to be in the mix in the A Ten.
2: I 100% agree with you. I really didn't look at this game much, uh, and then as I was listening to you talk, I jumped in to dive a little bit into it, and I will most likely be putting a play on this as well. I like I like this Rhode Island spot. Um, it's funny, if you look at their straight-up records and then look at their records against the spread, it's almost flip-flopped. Richmond's 7-3, Rhode Island's 5-5, five five. you flip it to against the spread, and uh, Rhode Island is 6-3-1, and, and Richmond is 5-5. Five five. Um Rhode Island being dogs, they're three zero and one, and the other side of it when you put uh, Richmond, this Richmond team as a favorite, they're three and four. They're not great as as uh, favorites. Um, it looks like Rhode Island has played well as the dog, and like you said, four and a half five is probably going to be too big of a number um, here for Richmond. I I would hesitate a little bit on the money line, but sure. honestly, anytime I see four to five and a half. I'm always, always tempted to sprinkle on the money line. And
1: just something to look at, too. You're in that plus 150, plus 200 range on the money line? Exactly. And what I
2: like to look at is if a team's around that five number, to look at the favorites' money line. If they're sub minus 200, like if they're minus 185, 190, 195, to me that tells me that it's not a strong five. Do you know what I mean? And when I see that, it's like, okay – Vegas isn't too scared of letting people go out there and dump that, you know, 180 to win 100 on it. Um, So at times when I see that, I like to try and sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Like, I I, I have a one to three unit scale. I occasionally throw out some five unit bombs where I really like a play. I've just been fortunate the last three I've put out have hit. Um, And to kind of like deviate from that a little bit, instead of playing a team for a three unit max play, uh, I like to try and play two-unit max, and then maybe I'll sprinkle one unit, maybe just a half a unit on the money line um, if I'm feeling it's a possibility. So this is one of those games where I, I will take a look at later on uh, as we get closer, but I'm definitely going to be taking the points and, and taking Rhode Island here with you. So I know we said we didn't have a consensus before, but it looks like
1: we have one <laughs> I guess handicap was that strong. I'll yes. take <laughs> uh, Let's keep things moving uh, before we hit our break. You're going to take us to the SEC, uh, where you're going to look uh, at another road dog, the Georgia Bulldogs catching nine in Baton Rouge, another high total of 150 between the Bulldogs and the Tigers. Why do you like Georgia?
2: We just mentioned it. We just talked about look-ahead spots, right? This LSU team is in a look-ahead spot. Granted, Missouri just took a loss tonight. Maybe this is the reason why, because they were going to be looking ahead. LSU has Missouri in their next outing. Georgia just lost to a good Mississippi, team, Mississippi state team who we just saw knock off Missouri moments ago. Um, and I think it was a wake up call for them. You know, this Georgia team was seven and zero heading into that game against Mississippi state, you know, again, puffing their chest a little bit, feeling themselves. And they were down 41, 27 at halftime. They got it punched in the stomach. Now, They crawled back a little bit, but they weren't able to make the full comeback here. I believe they were humbled. I think they come out much more prepared for this game than LSU will. Again, I think LSU in a look-ahead spot here. The numbers are too big to me. Um, I feel like Georgia is going to be able to keep this one within three to five points, most likely throughout the game. And again, even if they're down late, um, that number is big enough to where we can always see a backdoor come into play.
1: Yeah, I think this is an interesting play because, um, you know, Georgia's 7-1 and one straight up. You know, it's not like this is a cupcake game for LSU. Now, granted, Georgia did just lose by 10 points as three-point home chalk against Mississippi State. Um, but, you know, you could certainly make the case, you know, when it comes to statements, opportunities to really prove yourself in the SEC – Anytime I see a team like this, and we're going to get to a game where, you know, the line just kind of looks a little funky, and and I'm, you know, so on one hand you can say, wow, Georgia's, you know, X and X, 7-1 and straight up, and they're almost a 10-point dog against LSU. Like, that seems crazy. But I, 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 I kind of think that with this kind of team in this kind of spot, like, it makes you wonder, well, did, like, why? Like, why is? Can you explain? Like, has they're better straight up than LSU? Like, they're better against the spread. Like, I, I guess the reason this is why I would stay away from the game. Like, why is the line this long? Like, is, has LSU just played more uh, competition, non-conference? That, that's what I would
2: assume. I mean, they they lost to a, a St. Louis team by four, who's a decent team. Sure, they they beat a decent Texas A and M team. I mean, they trounced them by twenty three, and they just lost to Florida by. Four on the road. When you look at Georgia's schedule, I, they really have played nobody. I mean, right. besides a, a, a subpar, we like mentioned Cincinnati team. The next best team that they played probably is Montana, who they beat by thirteen. Um, they played Northeastern, Sanford, Jacksonville, North Georgia, Florida. They played nobody. This is the first test was Mississippi State. Um, like I said, and they and they got smacked in the. Okay, face. So
1: your play here is more against LSU than on Georgia.
2: I I guess I guess if I had a Pick a side that would probably be it, but um, I still like Georgia being the team. Like I said, that's going to come in now a little bit rejuvenated. They're going to be like, okay, it was a wake up call for us. and Now we played a decent team, in Mississippi State, um, and now they're going to be prepared for this LSU. And again, LSU being in that look ahead spot doesn't, to me, it doesn't bode well for them.
1: Not going to argue at any time with a look ahead spot like that. I think, particularly in the college ranks, uh, that can be even more of a concern coaches when you got uh, 19, 20-year-old kids uh, with that big game on the schedule like LSU has coming up against, what's it, Missouri, you said? Yes. Yeah, correct. so certainly should be, uh, that'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah. Is uh, that over the weekend?
2: Uh, yeah, I believe it's on Saturday.
1: All right, on Saturday, yeah. On that note, we'll take a break and we'll come back and get into some more picks on the other side. Hey everyone! I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast. Here at Blue Wire Hustle, has created an opportunity to give everyone the chance to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q and A's with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord and an e-learning course with full tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. Again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. And on that note, we are back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my picks on Twitter at Undercover. Greg, joined by our college basketball co-host, Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter, at Larry's Locks 2. We're going to run through some more plays now on the Wednesday college basketball rotation. I'm going to take us to another one of those funky start time games uh, and go to central New York where we have the Pittsburgh Panthers traveling to the Carrier Dome to take on the Syracuse Orange. For a 4.30 Eastern tip-off, 11.5 is the line that's Syracuse laying the lumber at home. Total of 141. And, you know, Bill, I mentioned it sometimes. I kind of hinted at that a little with the Georgia-LSU game where you see a line like this and you see the team's straight-up record's kind of the same, and it really raises your eyebrows a little bit and kind of makes me think favorite or pass. And that's where I'm going here. With Syracuse, I'm going to lay the points and back the orange. And I had to dig into this one a little more because, as I said initially, it did look pretty wacky. Syracuse, 6-1 and one straight up. Pittsburgh, 5-2 and two straight up. So that right there, I, you know, I know non-conference strike right? to schedules can be weird and, 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 and things like that can kind of move things around. But, you know, this isn't a national championship contending Syracuse team by, by any means. At least we don't think that, you know, and, and Pittsburgh is kind of a run of the middle of the road ACC team, you know, identical four and three against the spread records. So then I had to dig into this a little more. Why I am going to be on Syracuse, I mentioned neither team has really, really played anyone non-conference. The best non-conference opponent for either one of these teams would be the Orange playing Rutgers in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That was the one straight up loss for Syracuse. Um But how about one of Pittsburgh's losses? They lose as a 16-point favorite in the non-conference. They lose by double digits against St. Francis. So I think when you don't play anyone big time in the non-conference, and Pittsburgh so far, they lost by double digits against Louisville, so they haven't really done anything in the conference portion of the schedule yet to really make me say, you know, yeah, they beat Miami by 15, but Miami, we just saw them choke tonight against North Carolina. They're kind of middle of the road as well. Uh, so what I'm getting at it here is when you lose that kind of a game like they did non-conference, I think it tells me a little more when you don't challenge yourselves elsewhere in the non-conference. And you don't really have... I mean, you know, Miami's okay, but that's not the kind of game that, in my opinion, compensates for losing a game by 10 points as a 16-point favorite. So that's the first thing. Then I just looked at the styles, right? Syracuse averaging 84 points per game. So that right there makes me think, okay, in a big line, you talked about this a little with the UMass pick and how high total, higher scoring. With a big line like this, if I got a Syracuse team that's averaging 84 points a game, that's 28th in the nation. So that right there makes me think, okay, well, each point is going to be less valuable if I know that the game's going to be high scoring. Syracuse has gone over 100 points already twice this year, and they're also 25th in the nation in defensive efficiency. So... It looks like, despite the fact that these are two teams that are pretty similar straight up, the analytics, the Kempom, and a lot of the, you know, advanced metrics that go into college basketball handicapping, a lot of those things point to Syracuse here. Pittsburgh only averaging 72 points per game. So that right there, again, tells me if Syracuse can get this game up as a more high-scoring game, Pittsburgh's not going to be able to keep up. The other thing I was curious about was... Has Pittsburgh played a team like this in in terms of Syracuse where you can score a little more? And the average adjusted offensive efficiency rating of Pittsburgh's opponents is 163rd. So that tells me that, you know, Pittsburgh, as I said, keeping games in the 70s, playing teams that aren't scoring a lot either. Then I'm seeing a Syracuse team pop up on the schedule that can score over 80 with ease. I think Syracuse at home in that dome, funky start time. I think Syracuse is the only way I can look. Yeah,
2: again, we said we weren't on consensus place, but I'm definitely going to be playing Syracuse. <laughs> um, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now, and my God, it is glaring. Like you mentioned, Syracuse is 24th in the country in defensive efficiency. Pittsburgh offense, 120. Syracuse offensively is 50th. Grant, Pittsburgh's defense, 43rd, pretty good. But they're not going to be able to keep up with the Syracuse team, it seems like. You mentioned how many points Syracuse has been able to put up. Uh, and then we've talked about the Dogs, where we like to see those teams get to the line and knock down free throws. Uh, Pittsburgh shoots 60% from the foul line. Uh, Syracuse, Ooh. on the other hand, almost 78%. So, look, if that's the case, the only way that Pittsburgh, I feel like, would stay in the game is – Maybe they're going to shoot decent from outside. Uh, no, they shoot two twenty-four. They're two hundred twenty-fourth in the country in uh, three-point percentage, thirty-one point two percent from from deep. Um, obviously, Syracuse defends the three very, very well. Uh, they're top fifty or top sixty in the country in, in defending it. So, yeah, the reason that line is so high is because it should be that high. It seems like when we really dig into it right. here, um, yeah, Syracuse should be able to handle these guys. Uh, very, very easily. Uh, I, again, I didn't have a play on this. I'm probably going to play it maybe just for one unit um, when I put it out, uh, depending on what I see it happen come tip-off time. But, yeah, there, there, there's nothing looking at this game that would make me think Pittsburgh stays in this whatsoever. I just I can't say it.
1: Sure. You know, I wrote down Georgia twice in our picks here, not realizing that we already went through that handicap. So, Let's just keep things moving. Uh, We are going to have a crossfire to end our pod. But I want to get quickly to a mid-major game that I am going to play. I'm going to lay a big number again uh, and back Boise State at home against Air Force uh, for, you know, at 11 p.m. Eastern tip, obviously, out there in Idaho. Uh, But, but, you know, here's what I'm seeing just in this game. Uh, Boise, I, I was looking into this, they're coming off of a scare in which they survived by one point as a big favorite on the road against San Jose State. So, generally speaking, you know it's just something I like to talk about, and, and by no means is Boise State a blue blood by any stretch, but they were picked to finish second in the Mountain West. And one thing I always like, I talked about it with Louisville and how I think they've responded well post-Wisconsin loss. When you get put on notice, whether it's because you get blown out or you're a big favorite, and you have this kind of game like Boise State did against San Jose State. They're 26 and a half point favorite, and they won the game by one point. When you have that kind of a game, and you're a team that's supposed to compete at the top of your conference, I expect you to bounce back. I expect there to be a little bit more of a laser focus, and that's kind of the basis of my handicap here with Boise State. They were picked, as I said, second in the Mountain West behind only San Diego State, who I know we were texting about the other night. Like I'm very mm-hmm. high on them. I think they've certainly proved post Malachi Flynn, that they got a lot of things going there. So if you're picked second behind Boise San San Diego State in that conference, that to me means you're going to be on the NCAA at-large radar. You're going to have a chance. Uh, And Boise State's 8-1 straight up. They're 6-2 against the spread. Oh, by the way, they had a non-conference win against BYU. So, you know, 71st in the 10-palm ratings right now. As I said, it's probably going to be a team that is on the at-large bubble in the NCAA tournament. Uh, in two months' time if they don't win the Mountain West Conference Tournament. So they can't mess around anymore. I think they blow out a bad Air Force, Air Force team. That's kind of the handicap there. I don't know if you want to add anything. I don't really have much. I mean, I I don't really love playing
2: uh, games where the where the spread is is this high unless I'm super confident in it. It seems like you are super confident in it.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it's not a max, but I, I think it was worth mm-hmm.
2: it. Hey, it's 11 o'clock. There won't be anything else on, so... Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, Let's go to the Big Ten, where we're going to have a crossfire here between uh, myself and Bill. You've been getting the better of me on these uh, so far this season, so we'll see how this one goes. Uh, We're going to Ann Arbor, where we have the Michigan Wolverines laying six and a half. Looks like seven and a half now. Uh, Uh, Oh no,
2: don't say that. I mean, it's a good thing, but I said don't say that. I didn't put it out yet. Okay. No, it's Uh, good. It's good, but I'm just. I wish I put it out earlier.
1: Okay, well, it actually makes me feel better uh, as well because I haven't bet it yet. Uh, but Michigan is a seven and a half point home favorite. It looks like total of one fifty one and a half. I've been doing a lot of talking. I'll get in on my Minnesota side in a minute. Tell me why you like Michigan.
2: All right, let's be honest. Michigan. Well, they rank tenth in the country right
1: now. Looks like ninth.
2: Nice. Okay, they're top five. There, there's no doubt in my mind again. But I know people probably be like, well, what team is, is, is Bill's team here? Because I'm a big Villanova guy, I'm a Rutgers guy, but I'm also a big Michigan guy as well. Um, and I'm not saying that as a biased fan. They aren't just surviving within the Big Ten Conference. Grant, not too, too many games have been played within the conference. But they're thumping good teams, right? Like, they just they just smacked around Northwestern. They beat a Nebraska team, Grant, they're not that great, but they, they put the, they put it to them. And Minnesota, on the other side, they've been away dogs twice. First was the Illinois. Sure, They, yeah. they were eight-and-a-half-point dogs. They lost by 17. Then they went to Wisconsin. Again, eight-and-a-half-point dogs. They lost by 12. I really think this gets ugly. I, I do. I, I'm not going to be shocked if Michigan runs them out of the building and beats them by between 15 and 20 points. Um, they're just They're just playing at a – at a different level right now than I think people are giving them credit for. Uh, again, maybe it's because just the Big Ten is so strong that everybody kind of gets lost in the shuffle there, and there's been so much high praise put on Iowa and high praise put on Illinois early that uh, Michigan really wasn't getting that look. And, look, Michigan was my team in the preview show uh, that was kind of that dark horse, I, and I'm shocked by it, to be honest. I mean, the development of um of Franz Wagner, Wagner – uh, has been tremendous, and their freshman big guy. I think I tweeted out about it after their last game. Like to me, what he's doing as a freshman is is scary. Like he, I see him potentially getting to a uh, for. It's it's almost a backhanded compliment here, but a poor man's Luca Garza. Is what he could have the potential to be. Which, shit, I, I'd, I'd love to be a poor man's Luka Garza because I'm going to be a tremendous college basketball player if I did. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, again, I just think Michigan is on a different level here. I think the number's way, way, way too short. Um, I see them winning by double digits.
1: Uh, I don't think it's going to be close. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I got to play the other side here. I'm going to take Minnesota. Um, first off, I think this might be something where the two of us just maybe disagree a little bit on in our handicapping process, because Michigan, when I see teams that are win cover, win cover, win cover, which is what Michigan's been doing, like, we were talking about this last night with Drake, like, I just think eventually the market catches up to you, and I normally look to short that stock uh, at that point in time, and that's kind of what I'm seeing here with Michigan. They've won three straight games by double digits, all league games. 7-2 7-2 against the spread, nine games in, you know, undefeated, 9-0. Everything looks fine and Nandy for the Wolverines, right? And that all might be true. Like, they might be the best team in the Big Ten when this is all said and done, which I don't think many people thought, right? Coming into the year, no, it was Iowa. It was Illinois. Right. It was <laughs> Michigan State. And, you know, here's Michigan. Can we say a quiet 9-0, Bill? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, so credit to them, right? But at the same time, not a ton of big-time wins non-conference. And you look at the conference games that they did play. It was uh, Nebraska. It was Maryland. It was Penn State. And and Penn State was a game they didn't cover in. And it was Northwestern. So, you know, not exactly the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. Now, obviously, Big Ten's a deep league. Maryland's not a bad team. Except they just beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Any given Sunday, so you know, for a cross sport analogy, there that's kind of what the Big Ten is. So three and one in the Big Ten straight up is three and one in the Big or excuse me, four and o, 3 and one against the spread in conference games is still pretty impressive. Having said that, let's look at Minnesota. Okay, you mentioned the two road games, and I had a feeling you were going to bring them up being on the Michigan side here because Minnesota's two big road non conference tests at Wisconsin, at Illinois, lose both by double digits and they don't cover. Okay, fine. But let's look at some of the other teams that they've played. Okay, I mentioned how Michigan hasn't played the cream of the crop so far in the league. Well, Minnesota, they've already seen Illinois and Wisconsin, and they beat Iowa. Okay, they clobbered Michigan State, and they also picked up a pretty nice win against Ohio State, who, okay, maybe they're not in the same discussion. The Buckeyes, or some of these other teams we're talking about. They beat it by 17 points. And oh, by the way, there's also a pretty good non-conference win already for Minnesota. They beat St. Louis, who we talked about. They were actually my dark horse on the preseason pod as a team that I thought really could make a nice run out of the Atlantic 10. Gophers beat them. So, I think it's a pretty good team. And yes, you can say they're two tests when they had to step up in class. They failed to meet them. But sometimes I would look at that and say, okay, well... They would let, there they would be a letdown, right? And, you know, you look at what they did after the Illinois game, they had that win against St. Louis. After the Wisconsin win or loss, they had that 17 point win against Ohio State. So Richard Petino has his guys buying in, okay? And I think he's got the best player in this game in Marcus Carr. The transfer, who I think is going to give Luca Garza, he might not win, but I think Carr is going to give Garza a run for his money for Big Ten Player of the Year. And then when I looked at, like, I was trying to find, like, an edge where I was like, oh, well, Michigan maybe has more depth offensively. Maybe, but you're talking about seven and a half, eight points, and I got the best player in Carr who's 22-7-5 most nights, something like that. I- I- I'm taking Minnesota here. I, I-, I think that it's kind of like a I- – I'm looking at it more as third time's the charm for them in these road games. I think they have a chance to win it outright. Uh, I, 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 I'm not buying. Like as I said, they responded well off of the Illinois and off the Wisconsin wins. I think they're going to give Michigan all they can handle. Anything here for you? Is just as far as the Gophers are concerned.
2: Um, no. <laughs> well, mean, I'm I, full of
0: shit.
1: <laughs> what's that?
2: So I'm full of shit. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, look at that. I think that Minnesota is a is a strong team. Uh, Grant, look, you, you can't say a team that beat Iowa is not a strong team. Um, I, I just, again, I just think that the level that Michigan is playing right now is is way higher than where Minnesota sits. I don't think that Minnesota is looking to this game as like, all right, this is a, this is a huge game. It is it is a big. It's one of their biggest games of the season, but they also have Iowa next. You know, a team that and then Michigan, Michigan again. and then Michigan again. Correct. So like I almost want to look at it too as if if I'm wrong here and and you're correct and Minnesota is able to uh not even win the game, but if they're able to cover the spread, I will be laying the hammer on Michigan, uh, in game two of this of this series, sure. because yeah. you're talking about a Minnesota team, again, who it's going to take every ounce of, of what they have to beat this, or to cover against this Michigan team uh, tomorrow night. Then they're going to go against an Iowa team who's looking for revenge, which I'm going to tell you right now, if that line is a single-digit line, I will also be hammering Iowa. Iowa. In that revenge spot, forget it. They are going to absolutely demolish a Minnesota team who I would assume is going to be spent after playing this, this game tomorrow night. So... I mean, I'm curious to see what happens, but again, I just, I, I, I just think Michigan's at a different level right now, and you know, I have gotten the best of it recently on the pod against you and in in this little crossfire thing, um, which kind of worries me a bit because, like I said to <laughs> you before, I, I felt like I was due, which you know, on our text chain it happened uh, a, a couple nights Yesterday, ago, and then with
1: one, and then uh, maybe, another Big Ten game,
2: right? And then maybe you know, we were on the opposite today with um, Davidson and Duquesne, where I, I got that one, but. You know, it kind of worries me. Maybe I want to give another shot of this one too. But
1: so play with caution on my side. But let's just talk big picture now. Like Big Ten, like Michigan. Like if you had to do do tiers, like what's your tier one? What's your tier two? Like sounds like you're firmly entrenched from Michigan being in that tier one. Who else is with the Wolverines? Because you don't think Minnesota is in that tier. So is it Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, and then a new tier? Or like I'm curious how you break down the Big Ten. It's tough, uh, honestly. I think
2: it's it's crazy to say because of how high I've been talking about Michigan right now, but I, I really would put um, Iowa, Illinois, uh, Wisconsin as my top tier. That would be those three are my top tier.
1: Still leave Michigan out. Wow. I
2: would, yeah. On the outside looking in, okay. um,
1: they haven't played. They haven't played any of those three teams.
2: You know what I mean? So I really right. can't.
1: Put them in that upper well, that, and that was kind of my part on the Minnesota side. Like mm-hmm. the wins in the non-conference have been against the you know bottom feeders, so to speak, in the Big Ten. Right, us. and then
2: but then again, that, all right. So I want to keep going with the tier. Then tier sure. two, I'd have Michigan at the top of tier two. I'd have Rutgers um, right below them, uh, and, I, and I, I don't think I'd have another team in there to be honest, because I feel like right now I feel like Minnesota Northwestern. Uh, Michigan State now, even even Indiana and Ohio State, I'd lump them all into there, and I'd think I'd drop off maybe Ohio State at the bottom of it, maybe then I have Purdue, Maryland, Penn State, Nebraska at the bottom. Um, That's how I would kind of see it as. But look, we're again we're talking about you know one of the best conferences. uh, I mean, in a long
1: time this year, yeah. Oh, this
2: year for sure. But I'm talking, I'm I'm talking historically. uh, This is.
1: It makes me wonder, like, something I might look up, what's the record for most bids from a conference in the NCAA tournament?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be, like, what, nine maybe? Nine or ten, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and look, they're going to get there. They're going to get that many this year. I have no doubt about it, to be honest. Like,
1: you know, you mentioned year. Michigan State. I'm curious, like, because we talked about how, you know, Izzo, you know, just when it looks like they're kind of not their year, they they kind of figure something out and, you know, turn garbage into gold. I I was curious when they first played Michigan, they don't play them for another month on February 6th. And then the regular season finale, the second go around isn't for two months on March 7th. So I'm very curious to see how Michigan state's playing in a month, two months when they play Michigan.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And they're going to have some tests along the way. They're going to have Iowa, Illinois Rutgers um, prior to that first meeting with, with Michigan. So you know, I think you're gonna have an idea of where they stand coming into that game.
1: But again, like this this conference is, gosh, you could so, like you could just it's so fun. tell me, like even if I didn't look at my TV listings, like you could just tell me, okay, there's a Big Ten game on at seven o'clock. Tell me the network I'd probably watch, even if I didn't know the teams.
2: Yeah, like I, I, I somebody sent this to me the other day. I think it was yeah, it, it was Indiana's schedule. So <laughs> starting on January 17th, they go at Michigan State then they go at Iowa then they're home against Rutgers at Michigan home against Illinois home against Iowa so that's 23 5 15 10 12 5 in Ooh. the country they all lined up and then and then they're like okay they get a break cuz they get Northwestern and Ohio State then they get
1: Minnesota Michigan State Rutgers and Michigan like how do you like it, that's the thing like in in this conference it's, it's funny too cuz we're talking about all these schools and you know, Indiana is the brand. You know, the historical yeah. program, and and we're the one we're talking about them as being just kind of mediocre, middle of the road. They're they got this gauntlet of a schedule.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Like that's
1: that's what's wild. Like this Indiana team is a good team.
2: You know, right. and you put them in any almost any other conference, and they are going to be probably within that second tier, um, in that conference. Every top five but here, of the conference. Yeah, like here they're not, and they're going to struggle because of how strong, uh, this conference is. So again, like I hope. I hope we do see something historical, if not historical, at least tie it when we were talking about the bids because the, the worst thing to have happen is a team who could be like Indiana who is, you know, right there as far as um, upper echelon within this conference and not make a tournament because the conference is so strong. And you see a team, you know, from a, uh, a smaller conference that has a, you know, beefed up, record because they haven't played that many great teams get in, you know, and I hate seeing that at times, you know, but like I, I have a friend of mine says, everybody has the same opportunity. Go out there and win your conference. If you win your conference, yeah. nobody can say anything. So it's
0: true.
1: There he is. You know him on gambling Twitter as Lucha Larry. I know him as Bill Christie. Find all of his picks at Larry's Locks too. Bill, always fun. Let's enjoy the Wednesday night of college basketball. We'll talk at the end of the week. All right. Sounds good. Good luck. This has been Full Slate. My name is Greg Frank. Follow me for all my picks at Undercover Greg. And give the podcast a follow as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. Enjoy your Wednesdays. We'll get over the hump together with some college basketball. And, of course, please play responsibly.